0: I love Christmas! Do you love Christmas? Merry Christmas! Absolutely! Absolutely! Um, I really do! I love Christmas! And, and uh, maybe not all the craziness that surrounds it, the long lines and people getting trampled at Target and things like that, but I love Christmas! Just maybe not that side of it. But. Uh, Tonight is a night that we have reason to celebrate indeed. As it talked about in the video, uh, the gift, the best gift that we could ever receive, God's son has come into this world, his son Jesus Christ, uh, to die for us so that we could have life in him today. The real story that we just heard, a story that never gets old because it's real, because it's true. A story about a God that, as it said, came to our neighborhood and I love that. It's the gift that we celebrate tonight. It, it is a gift, unlike many other gifts that you may have saw pop up there. It's a gift that is not going to disappoint you. Uh, although I'm sure many of us can remember and maybe you can recollect um, some, some really, really terrible gifts that you've received. Because anybody ever received a really terrible gift have any of you been the one that gave that really terrible gift? Just, to, oh, wow, there we go. We've got an honest group tonight. That's awesome. I, uh, I remember growing up, um, for some strange reason, my kind and loving brother, who's a couple years older than I, and I'm emphasizing kind and loving, and generous older brother, thought that for Christmas, he would give me what all little brothers want, a large cardboard box. And inside that large cardboard box, was a medium-sized cardboard box, and inside that box was a little bit smaller box, and in that smaller box, there was a little bit smaller box. Yeah, it's all the way, all the way down. I think about nine or ten boxes uh, I received from my wonderful brother that year until I finally got down to where the weight of the gift was, and I feel like, okay, this is going to be worth the weight. Literally, it was heavy, and so I'm looking at this shoebox box. Uh, and, and so, man, this must be worth it. If he went to all the trouble to do this, what I'm going to find inside must be the greatest gift ever that my brother could ever conceive of, even though I didn't think he was capable of it. And I get all the way down to the shoebox, and I rip out, there's still wrapping paper on it, and I, I, I take out all the little packing peanuts that you get just to make the living room dirty, and I look at it, and it's rocks. An entire shoebox of rocks, dozens of them, Actually, an assortment of rocks. How kind of him uh, to do that. And of course, my brother is laughing hysterically because he thinks this is just the most funny, uh, most hilarious thing in the world. But all I remember, all I remember doing there was sitting my head, just shaking my head, screaming, that's it? Like, are you serious? That's what I waited for. That's, that's it. That's, that's all there is. <sighs> Disappointment. Disappointment. And I wonder how many of us are asking a similar question tonight. Are you serious? This is it? This is is all there is? is? Is there more to this? But that question goes way beyond Christmas. It's about life, your life and my life. It's about this journey of faith that we're on. And I believe this desire that every single one of us has to have something to build our lives on, something that's a foundation of our lives that's going to give meaning for today and something that's going to give hope for the future. We don't want to be disappointed. We don't want to get to the end of our lives and say, that was it? That was it? Really? Are you serious? That was it. We don't want to be disappointed. And that's kind of what we've been doing is we've been looking ahead these weeks. We've been in this season of Advent in the church here. And really, Advent is just talking about waiting for the arrival, anticipating the arrival. As followers of Christ, we're we're looking to the horizon and we're waiting for something that we've been hoping in. And I'm pretty sure that every single one of us can identify with waiting. Not just around Christmas, but that idea that there's something out there. That every single one of us tonight maybe has a dream or a desire that you have. Maybe to be married, maybe to have a family, or maybe to truly make an impact with your life, or maybe a change of circumstances. I need a different job. I need some peace in my family this Christmas. We all know what it's like to long for something, to wait, and Advent has simply been this time of the year where we're sitting here saying, I'm waiting. I'm waiting and I'm anticipating what God is going to do. I'm trusting that this Christmas, that what I find in the manger is not going to disappoint me. And in the end, it's going to be more than a box of rocks. And interestingly enough, that's where I want to drop us in to the story tonight. You heard a lot of different scriptures read tonight, and I don't want to start necessarily with the shepherds, and I don't want to start with the little baby in the manger. I want to start long before that, with a group of people, actually, that were waiting, that had been waiting for a long time in in expectation, and they didn't want to be disappointed either. You see, for hundreds and thousands of years, God's people in the Old Testament, known as the Israelites, had been waiting. Since the days of King David, they longed for a king that would come to make things right. And to be honest, I think we still long for that. When is it all going to be made right? When are the Romans going to be kicked out and when is God going to come and establish his kingdom? And so year after year they waited expectantly hoping that the gift of a king would not disappoint. And so it was prophets like Isaiah that came along and prophesied about a light that would come, a light that would come to illuminate our dark world. And we have a piece of that up. Let's read this together from Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. That's what the Israelites were waiting for. That's the gift that they were waiting for that would not disappoint. That's what they were looking for. And the truth is today that every single one of us is here tonight. For a different reason, I'm sure, but we're all looking for something. I don't know what you're here for tonight. Maybe some of you are here because Christmas is a family tradition, and that's what you just do, and that's great. For others, it's because maybe you felt that it was a good religious thing to do. You know, do the whole church thing, put in your time, and then move on with Christmas. Another year, another church service. Maybe you're not quite sure why you're here tonight, because to be honest, you were drugged here against your own will tonight. And trust me, I've been there, and I know what that feels like, so just hang on. We'll, you'll, you'll live. Um, but maybe you're here tonight because you're just looking for some peace. Maybe you're here tonight, and you're just checking it out. You're not quite sure what you're looking for. But no matter why you're here tonight, I want to ask you, what are you really looking for? Maybe not just on Christmas, but in your life. What are you looking for? for? For God's people, for hundreds and thousands of years, they were looking for a king to come. They were there watching the horizon. What did you come looking for tonight? What did you hope to find? Whatever that is for you today, I don't want to talk to you tonight so much about a holiday or a religion. I want to invite you into the world into the worlds actually of two separate groups of characters of our story tonight, that no matter where these groups of characters were in the story, they were all drawn to the light. And maybe for us too tonight, we'll be drawn to the light as well. So tonight we're going to pay a little unexpected trip to our friends the shepherds and to our friends... The Magi, And I think what we're going to find as we go through this story is that among many things we're going to find that the shepherds and the magi specifically are not the nice little plastic figurine Christmas characters that we like them to be that we put them out and then we put them back in our basement until next year. That maybe they're not the perfect Bible heroes that we think they are either in our nice little Christmas story tonight. In fact, it's right in the middle of their struggles, in their issues, that God meets them and the light draws them to Bethlehem. They've got fears, they've got doubts, they've got bad habits, they struggle to understand who God is sometimes. They've got issues, and I can identify because I have issues. And you have issues. We have issues. So just so we're all on the same page, humor me and turn to the people next to you and just remind them, just give them a little elbow and say, hey, you got issues. Just give them a little reminder tonight. Okay, you can stop. Some of you are having a little bit too much. Okay. We've got issues. Every single one of us has issues and that's why we're here tonight. We're not here because we're perfect. We're here tonight because we're looking for a savior. We're looking for somebody who can save us from our issues, and he happens to be inside a feeding trough for cattle. That's how the God of the universe comes to us. And so the first group that I want to drop in on tonight is a ragtag bunch of guys that's a group of shepherds. And we read this from Luke chapter 2 in verse 8. And there were the shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. How many times have you heard that and said, great, yes, there were shepherds. What I want to point out for you tonight, to understand how crazy this whole story is, we have to set the scene. Maybe you've never noticed before, but the story tells us that the shepherds were living living out in the fields nearby living not hanging out for a day in the fields nearby before they went back to the holiday inn in bethlehem to freshen up living maybe for weeks maybe for months and and i don't know about you but it's not hard for me to imagine what it would like to be around a group of guys who lived with sheep who slept with sheep who lived in the weeds who probably haven't shaved or showered for a couple months talk about issues these guys stink really bad. This is a glorified men's locker room after a football game. Shepherds stink. They've got issues. And so if you're a shepherd, you're not just an outcast. You're not even a part of society. Because the shepherds were out in the fields, way out in the middle of nowhere, and, and most likely somewhere that, for me, probably resembles the middle of Nebraska. And, and I don't have any issues... With, with Cornhusker fans or anything, but, but have you ever driven to Colorado and you drive through Nebraska? That's where, I, yeah, a lot of groans. That's where I feel like the shepherds were that night, just out in the middle of Nebraska somewhere, just an observation. Shepherds were nobodies. Shepherds were the epitome of unimportant. But not only that, not only that, but the life of a shepherd was probably, in one word, ordinary. Think about this. You think you have a boring life. Wake up. Watch the sheep. Have lunch. Watch the sheep. Move a few rocks down. Watch the sheep. Make a new staff from a stick. Watch the sheep. Go to bed. Get up and repeat and do that over and over and over again. Life is simply normal, mundane. You've pretty much just decided this is the way life is. But I wonder if that's not just about the shepherds. What if it's about us? What about your life has become ordinary? Where have you said in your life, well, that's just the way things are. They're not really ever going to change. And even for those of us that that are on this journey of faith, how often do we settle for ordinary? How often do we settle for our current experience of God and we just say, well, that's it. I've just kind of experienced this churchy, religious thing, and that must be all there is to this God. I mean, it's just tradition, right? And, and, and it's just a kind of a, it's a tradition. It's, it, religion is a good thing to just kind of keep over there, just like many other things for me. I mean, I've got my family life and I've got my work life, and then I've got my social life, and then over here is actually in my cupboard is I have God. And when I need God, I take him off the shelf, and I take God out of his little box because it's simpler that way, because it's safer that way, because it's comfortable. And after all, there's lots more things to be worried about, and and that seems to work for a while because after all, life is just ordinary, and life is about surviving. Life is about just getting through another week and getting the kids to all their activities and the the to-do list and getting my things done at work. Because when you live in the land of routine, there's no way things are ever going to change. That is, unless it's Christmas. Unless the one who is Christmas is the God of the universe. And that God says to the shepherds and to us tonight, I have so much more for you. I'm not going to let you settle for just getting by. In fact, I'm not in a box because I'm your God and I don't have a shelf life. I'm in everything. I'm in everything. You see, just like the shepherds, God says to us tonight, I'm willing to meet you wherever you are, but I refuse to leave you that way. And yes, there will be ordinary days in our lives, there will be ho-hum days, but the question is, do we believe, do you believe, that God is capable of breaking in to your somewhat ordinary life and doing something radical? Are you willing to let the baby who became our savior save you from settling? And so back to this ragtag bunch of shepherds in Nebraska. Okay, so knowing what we know, knowing what we know about them, if the God of the universe was going to come to earth, think about that for a second. If the God of the universe was planning a great arrival to earth, the last place that you would think he would want to make the announcement would be to a bunch of hairy, stinky, misfit shepherds in the middle of Nebraska. But he did. And that's the next part of the story. And let's read this You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I'm sure that as the shepherds were out in the fields, they never saw those hills the same again. They never went through their ordinary routines of their life in exactly the same way. Because the light of Christmas broke through, we cannot stay the same tonight. It cannot just be one more Christmas because the light led them to the Savior. Okay, but that's not the only group that's mentioned in our story tonight. If we hop on over to Matthew's gospel account, he tells us of another group of people, a group of magi, thought to be these royal priests, even astrologers from the Eastern world. We read this in Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, we don't know much about the Magi, but we do know that they were everything most likely that the shepherds were not. They were royal, they were dignified, they were educated, they were high class. In other words, life wasn't so much ordinary and mundane as it was fine. Life was more than fine. For in the Orient, the land of the East, East of Judea, there were palaces of gold and kings and princes and more wealth than you could think of. Positions. Power, titles. We don't know much about the Magi, but we know this. They had it all. And in fact, they appear to have it all together. But we know that might not exactly be true. Every time that I talk to people about the Magi, I have several women around me, and women tend to remind me of this when it comes to this part of the story. They say this. Now, if it had been three wise women instead of men, don't you know what would have happened, they say, John. They would have asked for directions. They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and brought disposable diapers as gifts. If they were really thinking, none of this frankincense and myrrh, it's just very impractical. What were they thinking? So maybe they weren't perfect after all. In fact, the wise men too had issues. But again, if we pause the story right there, I wonder how many of us get stuck here. So maybe you're not an unassuming shepherd tonight. But maybe for you, like so many of the magi, life is going fine. Fine. Life is going very well tonight. The family's in line, the budget's in line, work is going good, you're pretty much skilled at everything you do. In other words, you're confident, you're strong, and you're independent. And of course, religion is religion and church is church, but a relationship with God, a relationship with God, we'll just leave that up to the emotional ones. We'll leave that up to the churchy Christians over there. Because isn't life just a little bit more practical than that? Sure, I'm a I'm a good husband, I'm a good wife, I'm a good friend. And it's important to give back and it's important to serve, but let's just keep the relationship with God. Let's keep that part out of it. Unless it's Christmas. Unless it's the God that says I'm so much more than a baby in a manger. It's a God that says to you tonight, I am the King of Kings and I am the Lord of Lords to which one day every knee in heaven and earth will bow and worship. And so the question for you tonight is, who's your King? Who's your Lord? Who gets to call the shots in your life? Who's your King? Because for the wise men, and maybe for you tonight, we get this powerful, powerful reminder that as the wise men approach Mary and Joseph and the baby, all of it gets laid down. All of it, everything, all your stuff, all your titles, all your positions, all your power, all your education, all of your knowledge, all of it, all of it bows down to the baby in the manger who is the king of kings and lord of lords. And so when the Magi saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. You see, by the time the Magi step on the scene in our Christmas story, something had to have radically shifted in their hearts. Something in their heart shifted that life has to be more than just about accumulating stuff. There's got to be more to life than just acting like you have it all together. Something clicked in their minds that if the God of the universe is willing to become weak and vulnerable, then maybe it's okay. Then maybe it's okay to stop pretending tonight then maybe it's okay tonight to come out of hiding, to let your walls come down and let the baby who has been born in a manger come to you on his terms as a God who wants to set you free. For the Magi and for us, because the light of Christmas broke through, we cannot stay the same. It cannot just be one more Christmas because the light led them to the Savior. Because that's what the light of Christmas does. It breaks through into the ordinary, into the seemingly put-together lives, and into the everyday, real-life circumstances of your life tonight. And that God says to you tonight, oh, there's so much more. Oh, there's so much more. Don't settle. Don't settle. There's so much more that awaits you because tonight the baby is the main character of the story. He's the hero. And my prayer for every single one of you is that this Christmas, amidst all the hustle and the bustle and all the busyness of the Christmas season, that when everything else When everything else is stripped away, that we'll be able to remember the simplicity of this night. That we'll be able to remember it's about a baby in a manger. I was thinking about this specifically a few weeks ago when I was in a bookstore in the children's section. Because That's what I do sometimes. So, I was in the uh, children's section of the bookstore, and I began to read the Jesus storybook for children, for kids. And I want to share with you a part of that that just captured me, because sometimes kids' stories say it the best. And this is my heart for you tonight. No, the Bible is not just a list of rules, or even a book of heroes the Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a faraway country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the ones he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales, except that it's true. The best thing about this story is that it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and has come to rescue them. It actually takes the whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of this story, there's a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. For he is the missing piece in a puzzle. The piece that makes all the other pieces fit together. And suddenly, you see a beautiful picture. Tonight, in the stillness, let's take some time to remember that story. Let's take a look. The light illuminated their lives and led them to the manger. So what will you do with the baby in the manger tonight? Will you simply leave him there and ignore the light? Will you settle for a life of ordinary? Will you settle for a life of, I've got it all together? Or will you come and worship? And will you lay it all down at the feet of the one who created you? Who knows you better than anyone else in the entire universe? This is something we can look forward to with anticipation. And someone that delivers on that promise. Trust me, you will not be disappointed so much more, so much more than a box of rocks. It's the savior of the world. Come for you tonight.